Good morning, folks. Scott Colborn here with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. And it's great to be with you, whether you're at the workplace or just kicking around home. Now, we here in the, uh, the plains are experiencing a lot of cold. The saving grace today is that the sun is out and that there is uh, very little wind. So it's going to feel warmer uh, because of that. But it got, uh, baby, it got cold last night. <laughs> hey, Jim, how are you? I'm great, thanks. This is some of that Sumatra coffee, too, is that it? you like. Oh, good. I can, I can smell it from here. Boy, it's got a full-bodied smell. I'm going to dig into it. Well, I think I'll just sample it. Uh, we've got a great show for you again today. We've got uh, first-time guests Dan Baldwin, Dwight Hull, and Rhonda Hull. They are co-authors of a brand-new book called Speaking with the Spirits of the Old Southwest, Conversations with Miners, Outlaws, and Pioneers who still roam ghost towns. It's a uh, spectacular book, and uh, we'll look forward here in just a matter of about 20 minutes or so to talking with uh, these folks. Charlene and Pet Talk normally is right now. Charlene is off on assignment, so Jim and I are going to do our own version of Pet Talk. We're going to wing it. This is live radio at its best, folks. Okay, so let's look at the holiday pet promotion. Okay, they've got a special Thursday through Sunday, so it's today and tomorrow. $35 cat and kitten adoption wow. fees. That's a deal. And 50% off rabbit adoption fees. So if you are looking for a cat, this is a great weekend to look at cats. They've got some beautiful, gorgeous cats. Um, kittens, of course. And I'm going to pick this first cat, Jim, uh, and it's Ash. Ash. Yep, Ash has got a uh, almost a, what about me, kind of a doleful look. He's a neutered male, one-year-old, domestic short hair, curious and cute, and he is ready to be adopted and to join your family. Oh, look at that cutie. Just bright-eyed and looking right at the camera. Okay, anybody else that you want to pick here, Jim? Oh, let's go, let's go with the white one. I'm still not quite on the page yet here. They redid their website. It looks really nice. Okay, Cassie. Cassie. Yeah, speaking, speaking of website, thanks for the reminder. This is capitalhumanesociety.org. And so you can follow along at home or anytime today. Mm -hmm. You can go there. I've got the site bookmarked on my computer at home. Cassie's a two-year-old spade female, domestic short hair. Uh, she is cute and clever looking for a family that will appreciate her independent personality. She does well with other cats in her colony. We're asking that she meet all children prior to adoption. And, of course, the question is, will she find happiness with you and your family? Well, of course she will. She's all white, which is a little bit of a dark marking on her, on her I guess, hip. And uh, it looks like a raccoon tail in the back there. That's really interesting. Oh, so many great cats here. Oh, yeah. 
Well, I'm going to stay on page one here. And How about the fluffy one? Yeah, I was just going to yeah. say, let's talk about Bella. <laughs> Bella. Oh, she looks a lot like my little Sally. Bella's got this regal, very, very focused look. And boy, is she fluffy. She's a domestic long hair, a 12-year-old spade female. She is a beautiful cat. Take a look at Bella's mm -hmm. picture. Gorgeous cat. So we've got in our triumphant, we've got Ash, Cassie, and Bella. And we'll remind you that there's a special um, adoption fee. And that adoption fee is $35 for cats and kittens today and tomorrow at the Capital Humane Society. Uh, next up now is dogs and puppies for adoption. And uh, we want to talk about Baby Girl. She's been out there uh, quite a long time. She's a two-year-old spayed female shepherd and pit bull mix. A beautiful dog, very intelligent, um, picturesque. And she takes a little bit to warm up to, yet what she does, she enjoys the attention sitting pretty for a treat and being told she's adorable. She loves to run in figure eights. I love it when dogs do that. <laughs> she tosses toys in the air, and she's very smart. Look and, at that uh, face. How can you resist that? Mm -hmm. So uh, canine-free, feline-free, uh, no children, a fenced yard. And so she's a gorgeous dog. She's looking for that right family, and she's been out there for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I think about an, an animal that waits like that for a length of time that they're actually waiting for that special person. For just the right one. And that special person may, may be you. So take a look at her picture and profile at Capital Humane Society. Baby girl is our first girl. And Jim, you want to pick the next one here? Uh, let's go with Leo. The, the white, handsome fellow there. Leo the lion, huh? Leo the lion. He's a one-year-old neutered male, a Siberian husky mix. Wow. Hey, Leo, show us your tongue. Okay. <laughs> He's 65 pounds, one-year-old, and he loves to be the life of a party. Look at those ears just pointed straight up. Mm -hmm. like he's alert and ready to go. Um, Child-free home, needs exercise, how about Leo meets other dogs and a fenced yard, of course. So he uh, knows some commands. He's going to need some training, uh, just like kids. Mm -hmm. And Leo will do just fine. Leo, the Siberian Husky mix, is our first dog that we're kind of, excuse me, our second dog that we're jumping off with. <laughs> Yeah, we got to go with Roscoe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Roscoe's got that, hey, hey. Of course, I, I think of Roscoe P. Coltrane from the Dukes of Hazard. Four-year-old neutered male, American Bulldog Boxer Mix. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's a spunky guy. He loves to have fun. And uh, he needs daily exercise. And uh, when he gets too excited, he can become mouthy. 
Oh. So he'll need to meet other dogs prior to adoption. Um, and uh, hopefully there are dogs that are not underneath 30 pounds. Okay, Roscoe, the American Bulldog Boxer Mix. Pictures are up of baby girl Leo and Roscoe at CapitalHumaneSociety.org. And uh, please go out and see them today and tomorrow during their regular business hours. Make the Capital Humane Society the first place you go when you want to adopt a dog or a cat. I'm Scott Colborn with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. And our next guest coming up is going to be Paula Harris. Uh, Paula is from Boulder, Colorado. And uh, she is an investigative journalist, the author of many, many books. And she believes in a boots-on-the-ground approach to her investigations. She's also the facilitator of the annual Starworks USA a UFO conference. And this is an event that takes place in Laughlin, Nevada, next year, uh, November 1st through the 3rd in Laughlin, Nevada. And the website is starworksusa.com. You'll see a whole bunch of folks there. And she's got uh, some incredible gifts. This focus of the conference coming up is going to be on ESP and remote viewing. So it still has a UFO consciousness main theme, but the special focus is on ESP and remote viewing. Wow. Should be some conference. She's going to join us here in just a little bit. Hey, I've been busy with signing guests up. We've now booked um, March 2nd, so we're looking at doing March and April. We have some great guests coming up between now and then. Ease us through the uh, winter months. And, of course, um, the winter solstice coming up, I believe, on the 23rd. Uh, I think that's the official start, really, of winter, even though we're experiencing a deep freeze right now. And one of the things about the winter solstice that we, that we appreciate is that uh, we go from having um, less daylight to then every day as we march forward from the winter solstice, we have more and more daylight. So things will warm up eventually. Next week's guest is Dr. Linda Bachman. She's written a book called Souls on Earth, Exploring Interplanetary Past Lives. On the 22nd, we've got Reverend Dr. Jimmy Shelbourne, the associate pastor from Westminster Presbyterian Church. He makes an annual visit talking about prescient dreams in the Bible and hope, faith, and a prayer or two. And then rounding out our last show of this year, before we flip the calendar, is our friend Carol Fleet on December 29th, A New Year, A New You. And she'll talk about setting goals that are realistic, do's and don'ts of a new year, uh, what to do if you're single or widowed and still want to have fun. Uh, she's an amazing gal, so it's great to have her back. Joining us now by phone is Paula Harris, and Paula makes her home when she's not on the road in Boulder, Colorado. 
Paula, good morning, and how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Thank you. Are you are you cold in Boulder as we are here in Lincoln? Oh my God! <laughs> Absolutely. But it's you know it's winter. But what happens is at least the sun comes out here. I don't know what it does there. Yeah, the sun sun is out here, and we just also drink lots of strong coffee. Yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Paula, I'm really excited about um, some of the special guests that you've got coming up for the Starworks conference next November. It seems like a long time off, uh, but there's already some advanced registrations happening. You've got a special going on for that. And I want to talk to you about some of the guests also that are going to be there. Yeah, you know, this year is very unusual. It's going to be UFOs and remote viewing. And when you get into ESP, remote viewing, telekinesis and all that, then the weirdness comes out of the woodwork. I mean, there's no way that it doesn't get highly unusual. And it's really inspiring me to write write another book about all the synchronicities Mm -hmm. and all the weirdness that has followed my research because... That isn't the part I was concentrating on. I was concentrating on the nuts and bolts and, you know, giving direct uh, research and scientific stuff. And I let all this other stuff go. And I think that the other stuff, the weirdness, the paranormal, the dimensional phenomenon is the real key to all of it. I agree. I think you said something, too, at our last event that we had in Laughlin, that you said the paranormal is the glue that holds all this together? Yeah, that's what I figured out, because uh, in, in when I went backwards to start looking at my original work, you know, how I ended up in the room next to Colonel Corso out of the clear blue sky, and, you know, how I, all these weird things that happened around my work, I realized that whatever I was doing, uh, whatever I was recording was being orchestrated by something or somebody, and it was, in, in a way, beyond my control, so I thought, well, well, there's some force that's orchestrating this that's, you know, the glue that puts all of this together. This is Paula Harris, and the author of many books, a investigative journalist, and she's also the facilitator and brains behind the annual event called Starworks USA UFO Symposium. The website is starworksusa.com. And I just spoke with you via a chat last night, and you told me some really interesting news. Who's going to be a special guest that's going to Skype into the event? Well, uh, it's a very good friend of mine, actually. It's, it's a man that I had met in Europe and that I had traveled with and I had studied about. So what I did was I talked to Uri Geller, who now lives in Israel, uh, with his family, and I uh, asked him if he would be kind enough to Skype in on November 1st, 2019, because his his mentor and the person that was working with him at SRI, Russell Targ, is there. And uh, Russell Targ and other remote viewers, and he said, yeah, he said, if, if he wasn't in Tokyo, if his, if his schedule permitted, because he travels all over the world, he would do he would do a half hour Skype and and talk to the people in the audience and that's just never happened but it's important that people understand Uri was examined by um, Hal uh, Hal Putoff whom I know very well and Russell Target SRI 
in about 1972 with the money of the CIA and with the money that Edgar Mitchell um, provided, the astronaut Edgar Mitchell. And people should read Edgar Mitchell's The Way of the Explorer. It's an incredible book. I read it in two days. Uh, and it's all about the testing of Uri Geller, the, the looking at telekinesis, the looking at, um, you know, ESP, uh, all of that that they had done in the 1970s, because Edgar Mitchell, as, as we know, is Apollo 14 astronaut, and he left that post to uh, study uh, quantum physics. And so he spent his, his life with noetics, the noetic sciences, trying to figure out how a quantum uh, science can explain these paranormal events. So you told me something again last night of, in our chat that I found interesting. There's a history of uh, uh, Uri Geller uh, bending spoons, and something also happened to you. Well, yeah, first of all, let's go back to Uri. When Uri was a little boy in Israel, he was beamed in the forehead by a light beam in the garden. He was only like, I think, five, five years old, went home, and, you know, that's when all his interaction with metal began. So that isn't like, you know, it's like he's a contactee in a way. And so I was talking to Angela uh, Thompson-Smith, whose book I'm reading right now on uh, on uh, her work with the government and remote viewing. In fact, the book, I bought, you know, I bought it right away. It's called Voices from the Cosmos. And we were talking about Uri, and we talked about him, and we, you know, because we were talking about him for about 20 minutes. And then I came in here, I got my car keys to get in the car, and my car keys were bent. And, and I was very upset because car keys... Uh, you can't straighten them. There's no. They're so heavy, and so I tried. I pushed it in the ignition. I pushed, and they're still bent. But I was able to straighten them by pushing them really hard in the ignition. And I was really. Uh, and it's the timing of all of this, Scott. It's. I just finished talking about him. I came in here, and and there it was. And then. You know, I, I know that Uri can do things long distance. I had a friend uh, who asked Uri, uh, who Uri asked for uh, tickets on an airline because he was a pilot. And when my friend told Uri that he couldn't get him tickets, my friend went back and the pictures on his wall were turned the other way. And so I know Uri <laughs> was upset. I've heard, I've heard this long distance stuff from his friends. So he can do long distance, whatever. Or we do it because we're tuned into a force while we're talking about this force. Mm -hmm. And my my th thinking is not so much that he's doing it because he doesn't know he's doing it. He's eating dinner. He's doing other stuff. I think we do it. But it's connected around a very strange man named Uri Geller. And uh, I did some reading on him last night also, and, and there was a couple of quotes I found admirable that um, that even though people focus on some of these quote-unquote um, events or, or uh, displays, uh, he says that, um, that he's more concerned about trying to help children, about trying to um, help people to focus, grow up, uh, live a good life, and so he's got some qualities that I think are really good. 
Uh, you, you yeah, said that... he told me that on the phone. He said, I'll tell you what, Paula, could you give a donation to Children's Hospital? Uh, he said, because I don't need money, uh, the money. He says, I just, I'm trying to help the children uh, all over the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's very much charity-oriented. And, uh, and, you know, uh, conversely, too, Scott, you know, because you read it, uh, they they call him a showman, a uh, you know, a faker, a magician. But Uri explained to me in person, you know, I only do work with the source. I don't go anywhere else for my information. He said to me, Paula, he said when I was on The Tonight Show, they glued they glued down everything on the table they wanted me to move. He said it was glued down uh, so that I could appear that I couldn't do anything. He said, but he, Stanford Research Institute testing and I'm reading about that right now in one of Jacques Vallée's books <clears throat> uh, called um, uh, Forbidden Science, Volume 2. Jacques Vallée was there, and a lot of that testing turned out amazing, and they couldn't explain it. But when we have somebody that has those kinds of gifts, then, and then you know, the world is very skeptical and puts them on Tonight Show and glues down all the, all the coins on the table. So... He explained to me the the hell he's gone through uh, in his life uh, from the people that want to debunk this. But he doesn't care about himself. He knows we can do it. He knows we can do these things. And he spends a lot of time, I think you read about this, on human potential. So the the conference has got an ESP and remote viewing focus. Uh, The paranormal is the glue that holds all this stuff together. And I've for a long time championed an idea that it's not enough to listen to the witness say, I saw a bright light in the night sky. If you start asking other questions, oftentimes for a person that ostensibly has, quote-unquote, only had a UFO sighting or experience, there is other stuff coming out that is in the paranormal realm. Uh, I co-hosted a... uh, 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 close encounter support group for many years. And these people, every single meeting talked about events happening in their lives uh, that we would label as ESP, psychokinesis. um, And most UFO researchers miss that. So I applaud you, Paula, in having this event and broadening the scope up to incorporate a lot of the things that people that see UFOs are also talking about. And I think it's going to be an important event. Well, thank you. Uh, it, it, it has struck the interest of so many people. Um, you know that Laughlin is theme-based. Uh, I have to have a theme. I just can't throw a bunch of speakers together. And so and last year it was the Native Americans, and we enjoyed having you there. It was the return of the star people. And this year... It's going to be extremely interesting because, you know, Scott, we're also going to do interactive experiments with the audience. Oh, cool. I can't wait. The website (laughs) is starworksusa.com. You'll see the full list of speakers. And what kind of a... a, uh, You've got an advanced registration that runs through February, is it? Well, they can get $80 off by February 1st. That's the cheapest, and it's okay. $80 off a three-day ticket, which is con- contains everything, the dinner, the movies, the cocktail party, 18 speakers, and everything. So 18? They get, wow. They get a, 
yeah, it's always run 17 or 18 speakers. So uh, they get a, a big chunk off as they advance register, and this helps put on the conference. So I've also pre-named it the People's Conference because that's what, you know, that's how it, it gets made. And just really excited this year because I think it's going to be pretty different. Okay, Paula, well, the kids and I are coming out to Denver uh, at the end of May to see the Rolling Stones, and maybe there's a way that we can connect oh, wow. with you and have, have lunch or something. I would love to do that. Uh, I would love to do that. My fear is that I won't be here, but I'll keep you posted. <laughs> okay. I'm supposed to go to Peru the beginning of May and yep. to Italy the end, so we'll see. Okay, Paula, thanks again for all that you do, and it's always a joy to talk to you. You take care. Happy holidays to everybody. That's right. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you. <laughs> and I guess we'll talk to you next year, right? I guess so. <laughs> okay, all the best, Paula. All right, bye-bye. Paula Harris, uh, her website is P-A-O-L-A, paulaharris.com. And the website for the uh, really unique conference, November 1st through the 3rd, 2019 in Laughlin, Nevada, the Starworks USA UFO Symposium. That web link is starworksusa.com. I'm Scott Colborn, and we're going to take a short break. We'll be back with our main guests. We've got a bunch of phone calls to make here, and uh, you're going to like this a lot. You know, KZUM is produced by authentic voices from right here in your community, who like you live and work here and enjoy and care about the same things you do. You tune in to KZUM because you care about radio that offers more. You support KZUM because you care about the public having a voice. This is a time for considering a year-end gift to KZUM Radio. You can do that right now to ensure a bright and sound future for your community. Give me a jingle at 402-474-5086, extension 1, or online at kzum.org. So we appreciate that year-end giving, and we uh, are so grateful for your donations to see us through the end of the year. I'm Scott Colborn, along with Jim Shorney. We'll be right back with our special guests after this. Voice of the Blues in Lincoln, Nebraska, KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD. Support for KZUM comes from the Nebraska Recycling Council, helping to protect the natural environment and extend the life of our landfill, reminding Lincoln and Lancaster County that corrugated cardboard will not be accepted at the landfill. For more on recycling services and area drop-off sites, nrcne.org or 402436 2384. My name is Manny Morales. I'm 45 and I coach youth football. It's still hard to believe because the high school me was a work in progress. But big brothers, big sisters give me a real role model. And the young me needed a role model bad. My bigger brother's name is Ray. And Ray is the reason that this seven-year-old grows up to be a role model himself. Whether you donate money or time, you're helping Big Brothers Big Sisters help a child. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad Council. This program is made possible in part by a grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. 
Far from the din of commercial culture and just this side of the abstract is a place I call Mesoterra. I'm Vic Valverde, your tour guide for an eclectic musical excursion on a program called Mesoterra. Saturdays, 12 noon until 1.30, right here on KZUM. I'm Scott Colborne with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. And in October, we celebrated 34 years of broadcast. KZUM this year is celebrating 40 years of broadcast. And both my program and KZUM Radio exists because of you folks out there. Uh, You can think of, in terms of KZUM Radio, the diversity of the programs. My late friend Pete Galati, who used to live in a suburb of Chicago, discovered through our mutual interest in guitar amplifiers, he discovered KZUM Radio and began to listen faithfully Monday through Friday to the blues programs. Pete knew about my unexplained phenomenon broadcast, and that was okay, but his real interest was the blues programs. And he said, Scott, the blues programs on KZUM Radio are better than anything that we get in Chicago. And he was a lister and supporter and member of KZUM Radio uh, until his passing. So we have so much going on here that reaches out to a bunch of people. And now with the Internet signal uh, that you can listen all over the world, uh, all the more reason to support this wonderful experiment in KZUM Radio. Non-profit, non-commercial, independent radio, just like you like it. KZUM Radio and Exploring Unexplained Phenomena loves the space between your ears. So for a year-end gift, as you figure out who you want to send donations to and gifts, KZUM Radio would be a great choice. It's a gift that gives so much every single day. Your gift helps thousands of people to hear Exploring Unexplained Phenomena, the blues programs, so many other great programs. You can call us at 402-474-5086, extension 1. You can also do this online at kzum.org. We've got our main guests that were getting cold here. I've got Jim out in the, uh, the lobby here, dialing fast and furious. They have a brand new book with a uh, gorgeous cover here. The title is Speaking with the Spirits of the Old Southwest, Conversations with Miners, Outlaws, and Pioneers Who Still Roam Ghost Towns. Dan Baldwin, Rhonda Hull, and Dwight Hull are the authors of this splendid book. This is from the back cover now. Discover the chilling true stories of the spirits who haunt the otherworldly landscape of the American Southwest. Out in the desert, among the crumbling adobe and nearly forgotten ghost towns, the restless spirits of unfortunate souls still lurk. 
trapped between this world and the next. For years, Dan Baldwin and Dwight and Rhonda Hull have made it their mission to communicate with the spirits using pendulums and psychic abilities to discover their secrets and when they wish to help them to pass to the other side. You know, Jim, one of the things that I really appreciated about this book is the, uh, <clears throat> the respect that the authors have for mm -hmm. the spirits that are still roaming the Southwest. Uh, none of this provoking stuff, none of this obnoxious brashness. Um, and I think there's a quote in the book that you attract more bees with honey. And so their approach is gentle, respectful, and it's very, very interesting. I just, <clears throat> I can't wait to talk to these mm -hmm, folks. Sure. Let's get them on the air here. Um, we should be talking now with uh, Dan Baldwin. Dan, are you there? I am here. And Dwight and Rhonda Hall. We are here as well. We are here. Excellent. You guys sound like you're right next door here. Um, Good. I'm Scott Colborn. I also go by Hey You. <laughs> and my buddy over here is Jim Shorney. We've got some great Sumatra coffee in our cups. And uh, I want to congratulate all three of you again on a outstanding book. It's going to be a book that I recommend to a lot of people. And I can, I can see now why there is a quote uh, in the book uh, from another researcher saying that you guys are at the top of the field. And I can see why that's been said. Thank you. Oh, thank you. The three people yeah, involved in this one book one are the, the top investigators in the world today. something you touched on earlier, and that would be our respect for the spirits that we encounter. I think uh, the amount of respect that we show and the, the courtesy we show encourages uh, the extended conversations you find in the book, rather than just a word here and there. Yeah, I'd like to talk uh, a little bit about how you all met. How, how did that come about? Yeah, Rhonda, you want to take that? Well, okay, Rhonda. Um, <clears throat> well, actually, Dan and I both worked for the same organization um, to help find missing people and solve homicide cases, generally cold cases. Um, we both volunteered, Dan using his pendulum, me using my psychic or mediumship gift. Um, and we, we did this for years. Uh, we communicated via email or phone. Um, and finally, one day, we just kind of, um, it, it clicked, I think, maybe with Dan and us that we should get together and see if our gifts mesh. Uh, so Dan drove down to southern Arizona, and we did our first investigation at Cortland Jail, which is the first chapter in the book. And uh, it not only meshed, but it, it really worked very well uh, in communicating with spirits because we were able to get immediate responses with his pendulum um, that Dwight and I could verify, you know, whether it was recording or with our psychic and mediumship communication. Mm -hmm. So let's describe that interaction here. Uh, I'm going to have you, Rhonda, Dwight, and Dan, imagine that you're at a setting, for, for example, perhaps this first, uh, first chapter, uh, and again, you're very respectful. You identify yourselves uh, you ask if there are any spirits present. And when you start asking questions, 
how how does your mediumship gifts come into play? Dwight, how does your investigative background, your police work come into play? And Dan, what are you doing then with the pendulum in in this whole process? Because that's very fascinating. Well, I can tell you from a a a mediumship standpoint that generally before we get to any given location, um, I've already got, excuse me, spirits coming to me telling me who's there. Um, So when I get there, I'm able to see them either in my mind's eye or visually. I don't always get a lot of information that takes time, but then we'll kind of bounce around, you know, Dan will ask the pendulum, uh, Dwight will do his thing, but so we work independently, but then we corroborate each other. Mm -hmm. So you might ask a question of a spirit that is present, um, and you've got a digital recorder also going in the hopes of getting an electronic voice phenomena recording, um, and then you as a psychic medium will hear a response. You'll vocalize that, and then Dan, oftentimes with his back turned to you so that you can't see the, the movement of the pendulum, will tell you then as a verification a yes or a no from the pendulum. Is that an accurate that's pretty accurate, yes. Overview of that, because I, I found this so fascinating. Dan, what does it feel like sometimes when you're holding that pendulum? Well, again, uh, Dwight and Rondo are intuitive, and I do not have that gift. Uh, you know, I don't see, hear, or, or generally feel spirits, except on extremely rare occasions. So I don't really feel anything. Uh, one of the things that working with the pendulum allows us to do, however, uh, is get immediate feedback. In other words, uh, Sometimes communication is, is very uh, bright and, and clear, and sometimes it's very faint. But working with intuitives and the pendulum, uh, and uh, you don't have to wait to go back to the house to listen to the, the recording to see if you've got an EVP that has a word or two on it. We can, ask, we can ask question after question after question, and we get immediate feedback by working with the, uh, combining the intuitive abilities with, mm-hmm. the, with the pendulum. So we can keep going for extended periods of time. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, give me your comments on what you think is moving the pendulum. Dan, is it your... Oh, yeah. Is it your... Yeah, uncom- definitely. The, in the pendulum, you know, there's no magic or nothing really psychic about the pendulum itself. It's just a rock on a string, and the movement comes from uh, the, the muscles in my fingers. What, uh, what moves the muscles in my fingers is the subconscious working with a higher power. Mm-hmm. So you ask a question to the higher power, the higher power answers down through your subconscious mind, your subconscious mind, and then that, that's what moves the, uh, mm-hmm. uh, moves the actual, does the actual pendulum movement. But the answer comes from a higher power, and, and you define your higher power however you want to define it. We've, uh, we've done uh, several shows in the past. We've been on the air now, folks, for uh, 34 years, uh, and we've had wow. the great fortune, uh, the late Joe Smith, and his wife, Marta, he was a dowser that oftentimes presented at one of the national conferences. Um, I physically uh, met Joe and Marta 
there was at least one or two occasions where we had them live in the studio. Um, at uh, one point, I had a bookstore that I owned, and I sponsored some events in the bookstore with Joe and Marta, and I got to see uh, Joe and Marta working with the pendulum, and I had incredible respect. Uh, Dwight, Rhonda, and Dan, I'm talking to you from Nebraska, and when we talk about pendulums, that sounds like a, a an unusual thing to a lot of people, but when I talk about dowsing, suddenly there's a few ears that perk up in the audience, and when I talk about water witching, now suddenly some of the older people in the audience are nodding their heads going, yeah, my, my grandparents talked about that. So we've got a deep history here in Nebraska of people using divining methods to try to find where to put the well. Yeah, in, uh, in, in many of my presentations, uh, especially with young people, I will, <clears throat> I will say, I'll use the phrase, you know, you may not believe this, but your granddaddy does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, Rhonda and Dwight, I found that the combination of you both as intuitives with Dan's pendulum work, I found to be really fascinating. Um, did it surprise you how well it worked together? Well, I don't know if it surprised us uh, as much as it um, It was just like a good feeling because I think we knew ahead of time a little bit about how it would work, but we weren't sure how it was going to work on scene. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a really, for us, it's a great tool uh, to have uh, Dan there with us doing the pendulum because, you know, like he said and like you said, it's, it's instant. It's, it's either a yes or a no. Mm-hmm. And Dan does have his back to us um, the whole time, so we can't see how the pendulum's reacting. Um, so it's a media confirmation, and we can. It's easier to direct the questions to the people that we're talking to if we're saying, you know, is there a male here? No. Okay. Now we know it's a female, so we can kind of direct it towards a female, and it, it really does help us. And it meshes so well with our intuitive abilities. Um, it, it was just kind of a natural for us. Mm-hmm. Now, folks, I'm talking with the authors of this um, delightful new book. The title is Speaking with the Spirits of the Old Southwest, Conversations with Miners, Outlaws, and Pioneers Who Still Roam Ghost Towns. Our guests today are Dan Baldwin, Rhonda Hull, and Dwight Hall, and a website that you'll want to go to, uh, even perhaps during the the program here. Um, There is a website, Believe Paranormal, and let's see, B-E-E, so there's two E's in there, B-E-E-L-I-E-V-E, paranormal.com, and uh, why the two E's in believe? Well, the, the two E's in believe are uh, for B, like the actual insect of B. Um, we use that um, because the B has been revered for hundreds, if not thousands of years, as being the messenger between this world and the afterlife. So with Rhonda and I being 
psychics, we kind of thought that was, uh, you know, kind of an appropriate name and symbol mm-hmm. for us. Um, plus, in a lot of our uh, investigations we've done, some of them, you know, of course, outside, we have had a lot of interactions with bees um, coming to us during yeah. the investigation. Right, not acting as a typical honeybee. Right. <laughs> Acting like they are a super intelligent honeybee. <laughs> yeah. So we just kind of adopted bee leave paranormal um, for for those reasons, and it mm-hmm. uh, it works real good for us. I've recently discovered that uh, in addition to strong breath coffee, I like to put um, occasionally a spoonful of honey in my coffee. So there's my bee leave mm-hmm. connection to there you guys you this morning. <laughs> I started my day off with some. Excellent coffee with a spoonful of locally produced honey in there. Uh, Dwight, uh, tell me about your your uh, police or investigative background. Well, um, you know, I was a police officer for a, a number of years and in the military as a police officer. Um, thank you for your so, service. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so it's kind of a it's kind of a natural thing for me to you know, kind of lead the investigation as far as with the questions. Um, you know, that they, they always do the whole, you know, good cop, bad cop. Well, I was always picked <laughs> as a good cop because I was always too nice. So, <laughs> you know, that's, uh, uh, that's one of the big reasons that we, we investigate the way we do is I like to address the people, whether they're living or have passed on with respect. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like to do that because you do get better answers. Um, I kind of kin it to, you know, you go into a party and you, you, know, you kick down the door and you start yelling, you know, somebody better come over here and talk to me. You're not going to get anybody talking to you. In fact, you'll probably get kicked out. Yeah, I will, I will tell but, them to get out. You bet. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, we, we go there and I direct the questions as an investigator, like we're just sitting down having a cup of coffee, um, you know, giving them the option, you know, if you'd like to talk to us, that would be great. We'd love to hear from you. But if not, we understand that, too, and we just kind of go that way. And uh, more often than not, we tend to get really, really good interaction and uh, answers to our questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and- Dwight is really good about that. He uh, he doesn't interrogate. He just converses, and that, I think that makes all the difference in the world. Uh, that was Dan Baldwin, and Dan... Uh- when do you come up for air? You have written, as I understand, either in your own name or ghostwritten, over 60 books. Yep. Uh, well, I'm a writer, so they don't let me out very often. <laughs> this, is, this is your vacation, huh, when you meet yeah. Dwight and Rhonda. And That's pretty much it. Uh, do you also live in the Arizona area now, Dan, or where do you make your home? Right, I live about uh, three hours north. I'm in the uh, Phoenix Mesa area. Mm-hmm. So we're we're within driving range for uh, for a lot of our explorations, and and to me that's uh, that that quote work is like a a vacation. I, mm-hmm. I enjoy tremendously being with Dwight and Rhonda, and I think the work we're doing is not only fascinating but occasionally it's very important. How far away is Laughlin, Nevada, from you guys? Mm, about I think about six hours from mm-hmm. Southern Arizona. Hours. Okay. Um, I'm going to be at an, an event there next November, the Starworks USA Uf, UFO Symposium. And right. uh, they're going to have uh, uh, ESP and, and remote viewing there also. So 
If you uh, have got a free week, and that would be a, a wonderful thing to have you guys drop by. That would be. And let's see. I is it Dwight? Is it you that has the um, part of the email address Fast Draw? <laughs> yes, it is. Tell me about that. What's that all about? Well, uh, you know, about oh, 15 years ago or so, uh, I met uh, an amazing person down here in Southern Arizona. He said, well, come out to my house. I'll train you. So he became my coach in Fast Draw, and I became a member of the World Fast Draw Association and competed all over. And uh, that's that's why uh, my email is, you know, Fast Draw Man. Um I've had that for many, many years, but, you know, that was uh, just a really fun uh, sport to be in. I, I'm sorry, Dwight, with all great respect to your sport. I can't remember the name of the gentleman. His first name is Bob. Um, uh, Wes. W-E-S. Yeah, Wes Flowers. There was a gentleman that I saw on the Internet that held the championship for many, many years. Um, and uh, when I saw your fast draw, I went and viewed uh, a video of his, and uh, he was able to draw the gun, fire it, and put it back in the holster before you realized it had happened. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was probably Bob Munden. There it is, Bob Munden. Yep. I think yeah. he said two, two tenths, two one hundredths of a second? Uh, that'd be about right, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, in, uh, in the world of fast draw, if it's, you know, a second is a very, very long time yes, in the world is. of fast draw. Um, I was never that fast, but uh, in my, I guess, height, I guess you'd say, in my career, I was uh, just under a quarter of a second from wow. not touching the gun to, to draw cock fire accurately and put it back in the holster. Wow. Um, and I understand, uh, is it, uh, Dan, from you, that there is another sequel book now that's going to be following up with Speaking with the Spirits? Right. Uh, it's available for pre-orders right now, and it'll be officially released on uh, January 16th. But it's a, it's a follow-up book to this. Uh, it's a little bit bigger than the first book. And uh, in a sense, it's a little bit better simply because we, uh, we're better at it. Mm-hmm. I've I've got to have you guys then back on sometime this coming late winter or spring. Um, <clears throat> I was so impressed with with this book. Um, my next question goes to Rhonda. That uh, I want to touch on something that you said earlier, Rhonda. That you you folks pick a location to go to, and then you start getting contacts as a psychic and medium even before you get there. Yes, that's correct. And, and that so happens generally everywhere. These these spirits don't necessarily need to have you there on location to start the communication. They don't. I mean, spirits pretty much know who's open to talk to them. Um, those people that, and I believe that everybody on this planet has gifts. Mm -hmm. What you know, to some degree, some are more naturally talented than others, but. Everybody has something. Um, that doesn't mean you can foresee the future, but, you know, whether it's empathic or uh, whatnot. But um, so before, you know, probably half mile maybe or more before we get there, people will start coming to me, uh, showing themselves. 
Um, and we've even been on a location where we weren't, it wasn't even in the book, but we were driving, do you remember the stand? We were driving to an old uh, mill site, I think, up in your area. And we were driving down what was like a dry wash, a uh, very rough road. And um, you know, at some point, shortly before we stopped, there was a, a girl and a boy spirit uh, to my right telling me that we needed to go this way. And I didn't say anything, but finally we got yeah. to the end of the road and it ran up and Dan's like, well, we're stuck. And I'm like, well, there <laughs> these kids back here uh, told me that there's a Y and we need to take a right. And he's like, what? <laughs> so we backed up and sure enough, there was a Y. Could barely see the other side, but we went up there and that's where the site was. So um, that happens typically wherever we go. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was at, uh, in the southern Superstition Mountains. Uh, we were headed to a, uh, a ghost town and a ghost mill. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, she said that exactly. She said, uh, the, the road I took dead-ended, and she said, we should have taken a right back there. So we backtracked maybe a quarter of a mile and uh, almost said, well, there's our site. Before I take the top of the hour break, uh, folks, isn't there a, a rumored Dutchman's treasure or some big treasure buried in the Superstition Mountains? That would be the lost Dutchman mine. And is there any way that through the combination of dowsing with the map and uh, Dwight and Rhonda's abilities that you could find that place? Or would you... Would you I, I, sh- I, should myself, s- I should uh, say, would you even want to? Yeah, looking for treasure would be uh, an abuse of my gift. Got it. So, yeah, I don't do the lottery. I don't exactly. look for treasure. Got it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Looking forward after our top of the hour break to talking more with you again. The uh, the way that you go about contacting these, and I've heard you say this several times, people that once lived in the area and the respect you show them uh, is admirable. And I hope that your book is read by a bunch of folks, including a bunch of other researchers and investigators. Um, you folks are a class act, so. Please stay tuned. Thank you. More conversation coming up. This is Dan Baldwin, Rhonda Hall, and Dwight Hall. And I am so excited they just announced that they're going to have a sequel, Conversations with Spirits of the Old Southwest, to back up this book. It's a gorgeous cover. Jim, look at that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's beautiful. You see the image there of, of what looks like a almost a gunfighter, that mm-hmm. part of him is blending into that door there. Speaking with the spirits of the Old Southwest, our guests Dan Baldwin, Rhonda Hull, and Dwight Hull. Please stay tuned. There is more good stuff coming up right after this. KZUM continues to be a vital instrument and voice for the public. We exist as a destination for music, arts, culture, and community news with resources that serve Lincoln and beyond. We intend to grow further and diversify our content in 2019, online and on air. Podcasting and much more coming your way. Please consider a year-end gift to help us succeed in all these endeavors. Give a gift to the community here in Lincoln and the larger community that we're all a part of by calling us at 
5086, extension 1, or securely online. Your donations gratefully accepted at kzum.org. I'm Scott Colborn with Jim and our special guests. We'll be right back. Voice of the Blues in Lincoln, Nebraska, KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD. Support for KZUM comes from family-owned and operated Butheris Mason and Love Funeral Home at 40th and A Streets in Lincoln, offering services that allow families to plan ahead according to personal wishes, chapel facilities to accommodate all faiths, and grief support materials for the family following a service. More information is available at 402-488-0934 and online at bmlfh.com. Don't let all this commercialism ruin my Christmas. Be the bread to our ginger. Support KZUM with a year-end gift before January 1st to keep building on the momentum we've created together in 2018. Making one last contribution this year gets KZUM's new fiscal year rolling, sustaining programs like this that you tune in for every week. Plus, we have some incredible limited thank you gifts that any stocking would be thrilled to be stuffed with. Check them out and make your contribution by December 31st at KZUM.org. Support for KZUM comes from Love the Locals, a maker's event featuring dozens of Nebraska artisans with local food and beer. Offering handmade gifts and treats for the holidays, plus live music on the KZUM stage with Evan Bartles, Rascal Martinez, and more. Love the Locals is Sunday, December 16th from noon to 5 at the Bay. More on Facebook and lovethelocalsnebraska.com. The full moon lights the silver rails winding around dark mountains and over steep gorges of jagged rock in one freezing cold rushing black mountain river. I wish there was enough time to describe all of the funny twists and turns that led up to now, but there isn't enough time because there's a ticking clock and the two passengers we care most about don't know anything about it. To see what happens next, visit read.gov to read The Exquisite Corpse, a riveting adventure pieced together by John Sheska, Shannon Hale, Daniel Handler, and other popular authors. Explore new worlds. Read. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Far from the din of commercial culture and just this side of the abstract is a place I call Mesoterra. I'm Vic Valverde, your tour guide for an eclectic musical excursion on a program called Mesoterra. Saturdays, 12 noon until 1.30, right here on KZUM. Scott Colborn with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena, and it's great to be with you on this Saturday morning, no matter where you are in the world, workplace or at home. Our guests are Dan Baldwin, Rhonda Hull, and Dwight Hull. They're the authors of Speaking with the Spirits of the Old Southwest. And uh, Dwight, I'd like to have you pick a story or a, a recollection, if you will, from your time spent with Rhonda and, and Dan. And what would be a, a reminiscence that you can share with us? 
Uh, well, I, I can, if you'd like, I can share a story uh, that didn't happen in the book, or that we didn't get a chance to put in the book, that was very, I would say, eye-opening to all three of us. Please do. Uh, okay. We were, we were at a location, a place called Sasco, which is a ghost town. Um, and we were kind of looking over the area and, and Dan said, well, uh, at the top of a hill over here, I think there's some petroglyphs that might be interesting and maybe we can do a session up there. We're like, sure, that sounds great. He said, well, let me go up to the top of the hill. And it's not a very big hill. I mean, you can see it. He said, let me go up there and make sure this is it. He said, and I'll come back down and get you guys. He said, I don't want everybody walking up there, you know, and having not be there. We're like, that's great. So he walks up there, and we're waiting, and we're waiting, and we're waiting, and no Dan. And we're like, uh, uh-oh. You know, first thing we thought of is, you know, he might he may have slipped on a rock and, you know, fallen down or what have you. Yes. So we we walk up to the top of the to the hill, and it's not that big, and there is no Dan. And we can look out over the whole valley, and we don't see Dan. So we thought, oh, gosh, maybe he fell into a crevice or something down here. So we go down the other side of the hill looking for him. We're calling to him. We're yelling for him. No response back, and we're kind of getting a little scared. So we come all the way down the other side of this thing into a field, and we're yelling his name, calling his name, and, and still no Dan. So I said, okay, you know, my survival instincts are kicking in here. Let's go back to the road because that's what you do. You go back to the road. He probably went back to the road. We'll probably find him there. So we walked down to the dirt road, no Dan. And then uh, Rhonda said, well, you know, I'm getting dehydrated. Let me walk back to the car and get a water, which is maybe 100 yards from where we were at. And I said, okay, great. I'll stay here in case Dan comes back to the road. I said, go get your drink, look around there, make sure he's not in his truck. I said, I'll give it a few minutes, and then we'll, we'll devise another plan. So she walks back to the car, and as soon as she gets out of sight, here's Dan on, you know, on the road. And I'm like, oh, there you are. And he's like, yeah, I was back at the truck. I said, well, Rhonda, you must have seen Rhonda because she just went back to the car. He said, I didn't see her. I was like, all right, come on. So we go back. And Rhonda looks up from the car, and she's like, I just got here. Where the heck did you guys come from? It was like, uh, he just was on the road. I said, I saw him, and we just came back. And so we started talking and found out that we passed each other twice. I mean, within two, three feet of each other, because this road is only four foot wide. But we never saw each other. Dan honked his horn repeatedly when he got back to his truck trying to find us. We were yelling the whole time trying to find him. Neither one of us heard anything. Wow. So we don't know if we went kind of through a time slip or, you know, we were, we did a session with a, with a woman there at, at a house location and, and Rhonda asked the woman, she said, you know, if, if you have a chance, why don't you show us what it's like to be on the other side? And Thinking nothing of it. Right. Okay. You know, <laughs> and so, you know, it's only days after this event, we get home, we start thinking about it. And we're like, uh, we asked that lady to show us what it was like on the other side. And I think she did. She took one of us or allowed one of us to see 
or be on that other side of a you know, dimension or times, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even know. But it was just you know, an amazing, you know, afterwards, of course, it was just an amazing experience that, you know, we're still scratching our heads. But it also allowed us a different venue to kind of look into. So um, it, we're kind of looking on that side of it now, too. Uh, you know, the whole time and, you know, dimensional thing and, you know, kind of opened our eyes. But that that was one story. It didn't make it in the book. Incredibly interesting. I've talked with other people that have had these, if, if you'll permit me to use the phrase, a time slip. Right. And... Uh, I, I don't know that, that I can adequately explain, based upon what you've told me, that offer any sort of a hypothesis. The idea that, that you were on a road that's four foot wide, and you would have walked by each other twice, and yet not seen or heard or sensed or felt each other, yeah, all of this happened, uh, for your reference, all of this happened in, the, in an area about the size of a football field. Wow. And so I could stand in the middle of a football field and holler, and anybody at the other end is going to hear me. Right. Right. I mean, it actually, when we were yelling. It, yeah, yeah, and yeah, you honk, 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 a, honk right. a horn. And we didn't hear him honking his horn at all. He was blaring it, he said. And, and we heard nothing. Have you ever felt like going back to this location? Absolutely. 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 Yeah, we <laughs> All with watches and devices to <laughs> yeah, I'm, track. I'm, yeah, I'm going to bring a thing of string, too, just in case I get lost. <laughs> they can try to pull me back, I think. I don't know. You but know yeah, what, we have talked about it, and uh, hopefully we'll go back. You know what would be interesting? When you do this, if you have another person that could join you, to operate, to operate a drone and get that drone oh, up oh. over you so that as you do your walk and there's any sort of a separation where you take different paths, if you experience this again with that drone up there, that drone would give a camera, video, a bird's eye view of where you folks each are. That is a That'd be a great idea. idea. That'd be a great idea just to, to do that. I had, uh, if you guys will permit me to, to share a short story with you. When I, when yeah. I got married to uh, my wife, we're no longer together as a couple, but the Presbyterian minister who married us knew of, of this radio show and knew of my interest, and he shared a personal story about being in Estes Park with a bunch of friends and one night saying, uh, let's go on a hike in the Rocky Mountain National Forest. And uh, they uh, drove to a trailhead. It's a beautiful night, full moon, lots of visibility. And this is a trail that they've been up and down many times. So nothing arduous, just a nice walk in the moonlight. So they set off as a group, and they walked up to a point that was a halfway point. They turned around, and they walked back down. When they walked into what they thought was their trailhead, there were no vehicles there, and it looked different. They thought, what the heck? What, what, where are we? And so after they talked about the only thing they could figure out they should do 
was to turn around and to walk back up a second time to that halfway point, turn around, and then walk back down. And this time they walked out into their trailhead, their vehicles were there. So I asked this Presbyterian minister, I said, Lee, what do you think happened? And he said, I'm absolutely certain that we took the same path the first time and the second time. It's a well-known path. We didn't take a side detour. We didn't get carried away and take a wrong turn. But I think something happened with time and space. Absolutely. Wow. Some kind of a time slip. Wow, that's amazing. Maybe on one side of the road, you know, the path. That, that's, that's crazy, too. <laughs> uh, there's a story in your book uh, about a, a famous gunfighter. Who'd like to maybe talk about that? That would be Ringo. Really? That would be you, Dwight. Yeah, I think I think you talk about John Ringo. Yes. Uh, yeah, John Ringo. He was, you know, even before you know we did any of this, um, John Ringo has been one of my favorite gunfighters since I was a little kid. I mean, they used to have the show on TV, Ringo, and yeah, Johnny you know, Ringo. Uh, yeah. Um, so he was always one of my favorites, and when I moved down here to Southern Arizona, you know, we of course were. Ron and I lived probably eight minutes from Tombstone, Arizona, uh, where a lot of that took place, of mm-hmm. course. Um, and he he died, John Ringo died, and uh, is buried maybe about an hour and a half from us. So that, that's a site that we like to go to. Um, yeah, that's he is such a, an amazing, interesting character. Um, and as some of your listeners and you may know that he's, you know, said to have committed suicide uh, while laying against a tree. Um, I never bought that, and I, I don't know why, but I never did. So when Ron and I got together, we said, hey, let's go out there. Let's put your, she told me, she goes, let's put your police skills and your investigative skills to the test. She goes, I'll go out there intuitively, and we'll record and try mm-hmm. to figure out stuff. So we did. And, uh, you know, came up with a completely, you know, different, you know, theory as to what happened. Um, and then we came home, did a lot of research, looked at the coroner's report, and, uh, you know, that didn't mesh. So we, we know he was, in our hearts, that he was murdered. So when, uh, you know, Dan, you know, kind of joined us, we went back out there and, uh, you know, found out through both, you know, psychic investigation, pendulum, and also recording, uh, not only did he say he was murdered, but, uh, he he named the killer, uh, which was well, he confirmed the killer. He confirmed right. the killer, um, who was Buckskin Frank Leslie. So we go back again and we start doing research and uh, found out that yeah, uh, Buckskin Frank Leslie and Billy Claiborne were in that area when Ringo was there, mm-hmm. um, and he had an axe to grind with Ringo and he asked where he was. Asked where he was. He confessed and, to the murder later when he was sent to prison for another murder. So. So, yeah, Ringo is a very, very interesting person. Um, I can tell you, and I think you probably picked up from the, the chapter of the book, he does not in any way, shape, or form like to be called Johnny Ringo. Got it. Um, and, yeah, we got it too real loud and clear on an EVP. Uh, I won't go into detail with what it said, but he was very uh, adamant not to call him Johnny Ringo. Uh, so when we go out there now, uh, I either call him John or usually Fair. Mr. Ringo, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, just to 
just to give him the respect that he deserves. But, uh, yeah, it's a great place, a great chapter, and he's definitely one of my favorite characters. Well, and, and history really shows that he wasn't the, the murderer that, you know, the movies all make him out to be. Uh, I think he killed one man in kind of a self-defense type thing in Texas before he came to Arizona. So, you know, movies create kind of a, a stigma that isn't necessarily true in historically fact, historical fact. What happened, Dwight and Rhonda, <clears throat> when you took a, a colleague there who tried to uh, aggravate or provoke Mr. Ringo? Yeah, he uh, did not appreciate that at all. Um, yeah, I think it was, uh, yeah, we took somebody over there and he tried to just Really, he was just calling them out and calling them names, and oh, it just did not go well at all. Um, and I kept telling the person that we brought out there, um, you know, you may want to tone it down a bit. You know, that's this isn't you know necessary to do to get a reaction. Oh no, I just want to see if he'll no. And it, like I say, it just didn't work out well mm -hmm. at all. Um, thus, you know, again proving that, at least to me, in my heart and mind, that. Uh, you know, you go out and you ask these people to speak with you, not demand it, and you'll get a lot more, a lot better communication. Uh, Jim, as I read this book also, there are a number of situations where they ask the people, these departed souls, if they want to go to the light, if they want to move on. Mm -hmm. And sometimes these spirits will say yes sometimes they'll say no i'm perfectly happy right here sure why not if if you're having a good time uh might as well stick around for a while i've got a, a good view here and i'm yeah. with other people that i enjoy i'm going to stay right here so i think it's admirable uh dan dwight and Rhonda, that you do make that offer <clears throat> so many times i've talk with researchers that want to document the activity, but then in terms of trying to offer help, they say, oh, that's not what we do. <laughs> it's like, right. Right. It's like, like right. why are you out there? My God, if you walked down a street and saw somebody with a broken leg laying on the sidewalk, would you walk up and take video and try right. to get audio and, yeah. and, yeah. and exactly. to talk with them and then walk away without helping them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we watched a show, uh, I don't know, a couple months ago. I won't name the show. We, we actually really liked the show, but they went to a location, and it was several different celebrity paranormal people, um, and they kind of came across something that they didn't expect, and that was an EVP that clearly stated that somebody was stuck there um, and needed help. That was two different EVPs, and, you know, that was it. cut. You know, they didn't help. Uh, and we're yelling at the TV, what? What? <laughs> you went there, you got this, and then you just walked away? Or the, they cut it and edited it and didn't show it, I don't know. Yeah, that's so aggravating. If you're going to go out, we don't often run into people that need help. You know, mm -hmm. most people cross over and then just come back on the astral plane to visit their favorite places here. Um, but if you're going to do this work, be prepared or have somebody in your team 
that's prepared to help them if they need it. And that's not very often, but do your homework. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we come back from the top of the, or the bottom of the hour break, uh, Dan, can you pick a recollection either from uh, working as a team and or another story like Dwight shared? And can you do that for us when we come back? Oh, yeah. Okay. And then, Ron, it's oh, going to yeah. be your I turn. I got a million of them. Okay. After we do, Dan, Ron, it's going to be your turn then. And again, uh, I want to thank all three of you in advance. Um, We've got more conversation yet, but I'm really enjoying this. Um, uh, I benefited from reading your book, and I want to thank you again for taking time from your weekend to be with us here. So I appreciate you folks. Absolutely. Our pleasure. Thank you. This is Dan Baldwin, Dwight Hall, Rhonda Hall, the authors of this brand new book, Speaking with the Spirits of the Old Southwest, Conversations with Miners, Outlaws, and Pioneers Who Still Roam Ghost Towns. You'll find Dan Baldwin also at dadbaldwin.biz or Four Knights Press, and Knight as a Knight of the Roundtable, plural, four, F-O-U-R, knightspress.com. You'll find Dan Baldwin, Rhonda Hall, and Dwight Hall also on Facebook. And the website overall is B-Leave, with two E's, B-E-E-L-I-E-V-E, paranormal.com. I'm Scott Colborn with Jim Shorney. Jim, what are you thinking so far? This is a fascinating show. Uh, The combination of the intuitive, the forensic police background, Mm -hmm. and the pendulum... Interesting. Yeah. You guys and gals, stay tuned. We've got more conversation coming your way in just a little bit here. KZUM continues to be a vital instrument and voice for the public. We exist as a destination for music, arts, culture, and community news. With resources that serve Lincoln and with the Internet well beyond. We intend to further grow and diversify our content in 2019. Please continue to support our work with a year-end donation at 402-474-5086, extension 1, or securely online at kzum.org. KZUM and the Exploring Unexplained Phenomena radio show loves the space between your ears. You're walking straight into disaster She's gonna eat you alive Bad chance you'll survive You're thinking Someone ought to catch you Voice of the Blues in Lincoln, Nebraska, KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD. Support for This Week in Lincoln comes from The Bay, The Bourbon Theater, Duffy's Tavern, and The Zoo Bar. This is live music happening this week in Lincoln. Saturday, December 8th brings an 8 p.m. show to The Bourbon Theater with Schlump and Of The Trees. And Blues Project plays The Zoo Bar at 6, followed at 9 by The North Fork with Gerardo Meza in The Dead of Night. That's live music happening this week in Lincoln. 
full moon lights the silver rails winding around dark mountains and over steep gorges of jagged rock and one freezing cold rushing black mountain river. I wish there was enough time to describe all of the funny twists and turns that led up to now, but there isn't enough time because there's a ticking clock and the two passengers we care most about don't know anything about it. To see what happens next, visit read.gov to read The Exquisite Corpse, a riveting adventure pieced together by John Sheska, Shannon Hale, Daniel Handler, and other popular authors. Explore new worlds. Read. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Far from the din of commercial culture and just this side of the abstract is a place I call Mesoterra. I'm Vic Valverde, your tour guide for an eclectic musical excursion on a program called Mesoterra. Saturdays, 12 noon until 1.30, right here on KZUM. Our guests are Dan Baldwin, Rhonda Hull, and Dwight Hull. And the book that is a gorgeous front cover, Speaking with the Spirits of the Old Southwest. And Dan, can you go ahead with a story now and or a recollection from your work with Dwight and Rhonda? Yeah, I would have to say um, probably the, the, the most interesting to your audience would be the fact that uh, you can establish a relationship with, with spirits. And that would, uh, in our case, that would have to be uh, Maddie Earp, Celia Ann Blaylock. Maddie Earp? She was the, the... Uh, common-law wife of Wyatt Earp, and uh, she is buried in a... Uh, the, uh, what we call a town now called Superior, Arizona, and at the time it was called Pinal City, and she's buried in the old Pinal City uh, Cemetery. And we went up there, uh, not exactly on the lot, but we were traveling around, and I wanted to show uh, Dwight Ronda the, uh, uh, the gravesite. And we went up there, and we made contact. And this was one of those cases where we felt like we should help her cross over and uh, she just would not cross over. So this is in book one. And we've been back, and uh, in book two you find out uh, the reason she has not crossed over. And the most interesting thing is that uh, Rhonda and, uh, and Maddie seem to have developed a personal relationship, uh, an ongoing relationship. Maddie will show up every once in a while. In fact, they have a, a special code they use when they know that she is here. But I would say that's probably the... One of the most interesting, probably, and certainly one of the most emotional uh, incidents that we've come across. Rhonda, can you comment on that? It's real. Yeah, go ahead. It's real interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've doing what I do, um, both personally and professionally, I've talked to thousands of spirits. Um, I don't generally form a relationship. <clears throat> um, spirits visit us all the time. Um that's very common for anybody who's open to their gifts. But um, forming a relationship really is quite new to me. Um, but there was just something uh, that clicked, I guess, if you will, um, with her. Uh, and I didn't grow up, you know, being an herb fan, I, nothing, none of that. So this was really my first interaction with uh, Celia. And um, we just have a, a sisterly bond, if you will. I don't know if we knew each other in a past life or what. But So when I invited her, I think it was our second visit, um, you know, I told her that um, 
she ever wanted to come visit and make new memories in the Tombstone area because when she was living, they were not such great memories. Um, feel free to visit us. You know, she's the spirit. She can find out where we live. Um, we developed a code, which was to turn on my cell phone flashlight twice in a row. So immediately back to back or camera, not flashlight. Um, so after we left that day, we, Dwight and I got home and we were probably home an hour or two when my camera came on twice all by itself, um, from being kind of asleep. Um, so that was the first visit and she's visited numerous times, um, both when we've been investigating. So she'll join us on an investigation, um, and at home. It, it's really kind of unique and special. Yeah. I think part of that goes back again to the, the way we, we, uh, treat our relationships with the spirit. Uh, Maddie's gravesite is a, a real popular place for, uh, I don't like the term ghost hunters, but, uh, she is often I would say probably disturbed and angry at all the people that show up and, you know, drink beer and uh, smoke cigarettes around her grave and ask stupid questions. And I think she was probably... <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can find it, uh, people online. We went to Maddie Earp's grave, ha, ha, ha. And we went up there and we actually sat down and, you know, asked her if we could talk and ask if she would like to converse with us. And I think, you know, ask uh, important questions, not just the usual junk. And mm-hmm. I think that's uh, struck a bond with her. Wyatt Earp, of course, is very famous, and this would be the common law wife that Wyatt Earp had. They uh, apparently there's documentation that they either bought a house or mortgaged a house together. Uh, and do you know much about the falling out? Has Maddie talked about that? Um, well, they were together for 50, over 15 years and owned several different properties across the United States or ran several different properties together, um, both as husband and wife and business partners. Um, and then when he met, <clears throat> met Josie, <clears throat> that was just basically it. Um, although I, I don't know if there's documentation, Dan, do you know? Um, he sent her, uh, up until her death, he sent her money pretty regularly. So I don't know if he had a guilty conscience or uh, I, I think so, but I did, I, so far there's no documentation of an actual marriage ceremony, so they're still considered common-law uh, husband and wife. Right, right. But yeah, and when Josie came along, he just ba- basically said, bye. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, and left her, and that, that's a, a tragic event. She, uh, Maddie died a very sad, tragic life. Without getting sidetracked here, uh, Dwight is the the legend of Wyatt Earp as being a good guy and the Earps a good family. Is that true and correct? Because I thought I thought John John Ringo was one of the bad guys. Right. Well, you know, unfortunately, history kind of gets muddied. You know, over time. You know, the the Earps weren't all that great of people. Uh, they had badges, but. You know, back in the day, there was an extremely fine line between outlaw and lawman, mm-hmm. and uh, the the Earps, re, you know, cross that line frequently. Uh, we have found out that the Clantons, uh, you know, also famous here in Tombstone back then, um, were actually uh, quite nice and uh, very well loved in Tombstone. Yeah. So 
Yeah, they were supposed to be, historically, they were supposed to be the bad guys. Right, right. And they're not. They're not really. Um, um, I'd have to actually be more on the Clanton's side of the camp than than the Earps. The Earps did a lot of shady stuff. Of course, we only hear about the, you know, supposed heroic, what they call heroic things that they did, but. Uh, you know, when all things are said and done, uh, you know, the Clantons weren't that bad. In fact, when uh, the, the aftermath of the OK Corral gunfight, uh, when the two, when Billy Clanton was killed, uh, that was the biggest to this day funeral that ever happened in Tombstone. Thousands of people showed up to pay their respects and love for the three losers of the OK Corral gunfight that were supposed to be so hated and outlawed and uh, all that. But it turns out they were highly loved. And it was, to this day, the biggest funeral that ever happened. Wow. This is a question for all three of you now. Uh, I was moved, and apparently I had one of those, like, well, sure, moments when I read your book that when you're talking with one of these departed people, one of these spirits, they are seeing their surroundings as it was back then. Right. They can see it as it was, as it is. They could either or. So if you they are have. in a location, for example, that there is just the remnants of a foundation... The roof's gone, the windows are out, lots of uh, uh, unfortunate vandalism or graffiti. The spirit is seeing that building in the heyday that they knew it to be. They can, yes, that is an option. Mm -hmm. They can see it as it was or as it is today. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can give you a pretty good you know, example of that. We were out in a location in the middle of the desert, and I was contacted by a, I guess, lack of a better term, a paleo-Indian, you know, prehistoric Indian, basically. And she showed me her, where she lived, which was right there, but she showed me this rounded hut kind of a thing, and, you know, with the doorway and the inside, so I was explaining all this to Rhonda and Dan, so we went there and came back home because I knew nothing about it. We didn't even know the Indians were there. Yeah, only a different group of people. Yeah. We were there for a completely different reason and a completely different group of people. But we ran into this paleo-Indian um, and d- did a fantastic session, so we came home and did research of that site, and yeah, the paleo-Indians were there. And they showed the type of houses they lived in, which is exactly what I described to them while we were there. Yeah, what they hunted and all of that. But yet, they learned to speak English through the common day tourists. So there's an example of seeing it as it was when they were there, but also being able to interact with the present. That's a good point, uh, because if you've got people that... uh lived in a different era that didn't necessarily speak English and and or were from a different culture, non-English speaking, uh, how do they communicate with you? It's just 
this was this, this was interesting. Time. We had no trouble communicating whatsoever in terms of uh, understanding each other, but we were having trouble trying to figure out who they were because we were expecting that if we if we encountered a, a Native American spirit, it would be an Apache. Right. And we were encountering people that lived you know ten thousand years before the Apaches, and we finally got down to. Uh, Again, this was using the pendulum with the uh, intuitive, but we started describing, like, what type of weapons did you use? Did you use a bow and arrow? And we got uh, a no answer. That means they didn't know what I was talking about. So we asked about, do you, did you use a spear? We got a yes. And then I described a certain type of paleo point called the the, uh, the Clovis point. Mm-hmm. And they said, yes, that's what we use. So we knew at that point, hey, we're talking to paleo Indians. So, so the communication was easy in one sense and then a challenge in another. Wow. But this site is visited regularly by uh, locals and tourists alike because it's an old Spanish fort. Um, so a lot of people come out there, and this is how you pick up another language. Whether you're here or in a different country, if you listen to the people, you're going to gain some kind of a knowledge. That's just a given. So, there you go. Uh, so, you've got this next book uh, that is ready for publication. Uh, and do you have uh, separate or future projects that you're all involved in as we speak today? Oh, well, we're we're always up to something, um, good or bad, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're always up to something. Uh, we're trying to get together with Dan now and, you know, possibly work on a book three if we can, you know, come up with some really good uh, mm-hmm. places to go. Um, but right now we're just kind of leaving it open, uh, see if something presents itself. And, uh, you know, we're always working on something. You know, Dan's, you know, busy uh, being a writer and a wonderful writer that he is. Rhonda and I are busy, you know, doing readings and I'm we do a, classes yeah, and uh, uh, seminars. I'm a pet psychic, so I I get a lot of, you know, recently I've been getting a lot of work, you know, for that. So we're we're busy in our own chosen fields, but uh, hope to get together and uh, work on something else soon. Okay, have Have you folks ever visited, or do you plan on visiting the St. James Hotel in Cimarron? Ah, uh, the St. James. I've been there. Um, uh, but Rhonda hasn't. I don't. Dan, I don't think he's been there either. I haven't uh, been there. No. I, I would love to go. I would love to go back with the three of us and uh, and uh, investigate that place. It's very mm-hmm. interesting. Okay. In Mexico, I would love to go to Deadwood. That would be yeah. a lot of fun. I'd, I'd be very interested in hearing yeah. what you find if if you visit the St. James because another another friend of the program has been there. And she came back with some interesting stories. I'm I'm not going to tell you what they are at this point, but uh, it'd just be right. really really cool to hear another take on it. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to definitely plan a trip out there and uh, get to St. James and some other places there in New Mexico. Uh, this is Dan Baldwin, Dwight Hull, and Rhonda Hull, the author of the new book with another one coming out here in January. This one is called Speaking with the Spirits of the Old Southwest, Conversations with Miners, Outlaws, and Pioneers Who Still Roam Ghost Towns. Uh, If I could take just a moment here, too, uh, with your work with missing people, uh, 
there is a individual in the Lincoln area who's been missing since October 17th, 2000. Her name is Gina Bos, B-O-S. And I am a musician. Uh, the band that I was playing with performed that night at Dugan's Pub in Lincoln, Nebraska, and Gina was a performer that got up on the open stage uh, and performed. The next band up was a uh, alternative rock band, and Gina actually got back up with them and did some backup vocals. And then my band, which was rock and blues, uh, we got up and we played until closing. Uh, Gina Bose never came home that night. And the website, Dwight or Rhonda or Dan, if you ever want to go there and, and get a feel for this, is four numerical 411-GINA.org. And okay. I'm, I'm sorry to spring it on you without announcement, um, but it would mean a lot to me and anybody else if you, if you come up with anything. It is a, a cold case at this point. Uh, the writing, last, writing it down. The last three or four minutes here, I'd like to, to have you all uh, speak to my audience. And it could be about a topic here from your book. It could be something that you're currently working on. This is one of my favorite times of the show where I basically shut up and I give you the microphone. So, Well, you know, speaking to your audience, and I, we've touched on it so much here, and it's such a large part of what we do. Um, to your audience, uh, you know, if you watch some of the paranormal shows on TV and such, I mean, it's, it's good if you keep in mind that it is for entertainment purposes only. Don't emulate these people mm -hmm. and, and their techniques. It's uh, very disrespectful, and you're not going to get the reaction or the interaction that you want. It doesn't mean that the people aren't good people that have the television shows. It just means that it's for entertainment purposes. Right. So, you know, if I had any advice to the to the crowd out there, to the listeners, I would say, and like I say, we've mentioned it many times, be respectful. Know your target audience and, you know, these are all your elders. So, you know, mm. I was always raised to, res mm. raised to respect your elders, and they are. So treat them with kindness and, you know, use that technique, and I think you'll get a lot more interaction. Talk to them like you would a living person. Um, and just be kind and respectful, and you're going to get so much more, so much more. Um, yeah, don't don't um, provocate or do any kind of other nonsense, um, and you know, just treat them like you would the living. Mm -hmm. Yeah, remember when you're walking into a quote haunted house or a haunted building, you're still walking into somebody's house. You're walking into somebody's home. You're walking into somebody's place of business. And, uh, you know, treat the situation like you would if you were walking into, uh, sure. uh, you know, your neighbor's house or the, uh, the store down the street. Excellent. Well, I can't wait to talk with you folks again. Uh, I purposely didn't want to talk about a bunch of the stories here because I want people to read your book and to, uh, to be able to look over your shoulders. This, this read for me like an adventure novel. Um, there were many well, times you. I felt like I was right there, uh, present when you folks were were doing your investigations and coming up with your research. 
And I want to thank you so much for that interesting story you talked today about, about um, the, the time slip. I'm still sort of mulling that over. Wow. So are we. <laughs> so, yeah, we are too. Yep. The, the, the universe and world is far, far stranger than we can even imagine. And, oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. I appreciate your work, Dan Baldwin, Dwight Hall, and Rhonda Hall. And I thank you very much for the gifts that, that you shared with us today on the program and through your book. And I wish you only the best. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. for having us on. Their website is Believe, that's with two E's, B-E-E-L-I-E-V-E, paranormal.com. BelieveParanormal.com. Also, DanBaldwin.biz. For F O U R, Knights, as in Knights of the Roundtable. For KnightsPress.com. Llewellyn is the publisher. They've got a great website with a picture of the book. And you'll find Dan Baldwin, Rhonda Hull, and Dwight Hull also on Facebook. Thanks again to these fine folks for uh, this incredible book. Jim, what do you got planned for the rest of the weekend? I'm uh, going to stay warm as best I can. I'm going to play some guitar. Of course you will. And do some reading. Mm-hmm. Maybe even take Mac the good dog for a walk today, despite the cold. The sun's out. Well, he's got a fur coat, so yep. you know he'll love it. Hey, we've got a friend of ours, too, that's coming up here in just a matter of minutes. It's Vic with Mesoterra. Vic is in the house. And it'll be fun to figure out what he's got coming up here. I think we're going to find out here just in a couple of minutes. Always good rock and roll. Hey, coming up next week, we have got a special guest, Dr. Linda Bachman, Souls on Earth, Exploring Interplanetary Past Lives. On the 22nd, we've got my friend, Reverend Dr. Jimmy Shelbourne, Prescient Dreams in the Bible and Hope, Faith, and a Prayer or Two. Our last show of this year, December 29th, with Carol Fleet on A New Year, A New You. And then we turn the calendar and guess who's going to come up here on the first Saturday of 2019. I have no idea, Scott. You do too. I do too. Patty Conklin. (laughs) Yep, the amazing Patty Conklin, the medical intuitive. And what a show that will be. We've got Robert Moss on the 12th. Uh, Mysterious Realities, A Dream Traveler's Tales from the Imaginal Realm. Uh, Peter James Havland on the 19th. He spent 33 years in parapsychology and forensic hypnosis. And rounding out January, Dave Spinks with West Virginia Bigfoot. And there's more coming up in February and March. And I'm going to try to get these folks back on, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, I just can't wait to read the follow-up book here. Mm Mm-hmm. I had a special event that happened uh, last Sunday for me. I call it a small M miracle. And I won't go into great detail here at the end of the show, but I want to remind you that the world is far stranger, weirder, wilder, wonderful, beautiful than we can even imagine. Keep your eyes open, stay curious, and I wish you all the best. I'm Scott Colborne along with Jim. And until next week, walk in beauty.